Good afternoon, and welcome to Anatomy of a Turnaround, how getting back to basics yielded transformational results, a health system CIO Media Inc. production. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. My name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Health System CIO. It'll be your moderator today. We're looking forward to your participation. You can send in your questions or comments at any time and the Q&A box, and we'll take them later in the program. Just so you see how we're going to spend our time today, first we're going to have our main presentation with my good friend, long, long time friend, Chuck Podesta, CIO at Renown Health, and then we're going to have our Q&A. So uh, without further delay, I'm going to turn it over to Chuck. Chuck's going to give his presentation, and then, like I said, we'll have our Q&A. Chuck, over to you. Looking forward to, to listening. Thank you, Anthony, and uh, thank you all for attending today. I know you're you're very busy, so I appreciate um, uh, you making the time, and and hopefully you find this valuable. I think it's uh, a, a different uh, discussion than uh, some of the other types of uh, podcasts that are technology related. Um, this is going to be a little different for you, I think. So, um, so anyway, this is this is called Anatomy of a Turnaround, which is at Renown Health. I've been here for two years now. And uh, it's been quite the journey, quite the story. And I think it's something that needs to be told. Um, but I'm also calling it uh, uh, stick to the knitting. Uh, so you're going to hear that a lot uh, doing this. So I branded it as stick to the knitting. And um, and you'll see why as we go through this. All right. See if I can get to the next slide here. There we go. So here's Renown Health. All right. Old organization, about a million people. You can see the number of providers. Uh, we're the only integrated delivery network in Nevada, uh, and um, we're actually the only not-for-profit in northern Nevada. If you know Nevada healthcare, there's a lot of for-profits here. We're the only uh, not-for-profit in northern Nevada. We affiliated uh, a couple of years ago with the uh, University of Nevada Reno Medical School, and that's a tight affiliation, and we're actually kind of moving towards a, more of an academic medical center model. And see the license bed, the visits. The important point at the bottom, the 1.6 billion revenue. And should think about that. That's our size of our organization. Not small, not big. Uh, but in the discussion, it, it, how you approach being a CIO in these types of organizations might be different than in others. Um, but welcome to Nevada. You can see my uh, my uh, mustache here. I'm going to have to change my picture. Uh, it's very different. Uh, I was telling Anthony a little earlier, I'm doing a photo shoot soon. Um, well, I've got the Western wear gig and I'm kind of all in, in Nevada. And by the way, it is Nevada, not Nevada. So when you come out here, please do not say Nevada, uh, say Nevada. I learned that in the first week, by the way. All right, let's get started. All right. So here's my first day, just a day in the life of my being me. Now, typically I'm going to walk through this and you're going to see a lot of issues here. Typically when I go into an organization, you have a couple of these that are on the screen right now. You don't have all of them. Uh, this is the first time I had all of them. And in my career, I've been doing this. I've been a CIO now for 28 years. You know, you pick up on how to solve a lot of these issues, but you're never faced with all of them. You know, it's one or two as you go through your uh, career and you focus on those. It might be uh, your team. It might be your, um, it could be your customer service. It could be uh, governance. It could be, you know, a, a few things. But you always have some strengths that you can rely on. 
um, and while you're focusing on those things, right? And you learn and you, you use those things as you go throughout your career. This is the first time where I actually was able to use everything that I've learned in my career. And as I started going through this and and um, this program over the uh, two years, it started to dawn on me that this is actually a program that can be implemented, actually not even in healthcare IT, in any IT, really, in any business, I, I think, um, when you go into it. Um, but here's where we were. Uh, we were spending a, a total, total of 7% of, of total uh, OPEX, so operating expense of the entire organization. And if you know some of the metrics around that, we should be somewhere in the 4% range, uh, maybe four and a half. If you're academic medical centers, they tend to be a little higher. Um, we were way off the charts. And we already had a um, a, uh, a 20 plus layoff that occurred the month before in IT, uh, the month before uh, I got there. Uh, you can see the uh, we did have pockets of excellence on the people culture. I separated these out by, you're going to see people culture, process, technology. Those are the three areas throughout this story uh, that I focused on. Um, but we did have pockets of excellence, especially in Epic. Um, we were we were moving forward. At, at, um, prior to me getting there, uh, a couple of years before, it was like STARS 2, if you know anything about Epic STARS program. You know, 1 to 10, 2 is not good. Uh, by the time I got there, I think there was a 4. Now, by the way, we're actually at um, nine. We're going to nine. Uh, we were at eight, or and we have plans to to hit that ten mark uh, next year. Um, so we did have pockets of excellence, but we had too many specialists, too many FTEs, people doing one just one job, just not uh, not a lot a lot of generals, especially in our infrastructure side. A lot of people with weird titles didn't know what they did, um, and and so that that was an issue. Uh, not it wasn't a team. We had really low. Uh, employee engagement. Uh, we were one of the lowest departments uh, at Renown when it came to the employee engagement scores, which were done on a, on a regular basis by by an out, outside company. And really so-so customer service, again, pockets of excellence, but we had a culture of we know best um, in IT. It was kind of like, we know what you, what you want. We're the experts in IT. We'll deliver to you what we think you need and I hope you like it because we're busy and we're going to move on. And that was kind of the feedback I, I was getting. Um, we had a lot of non-project consultants. Some of that was from pre-COVID. It's hard to get people like analysts to move uh, to Reno. Uh, so there were a lot of consultants doing the work. But once we went remote, you can get people from all over the country. And it really hadn't made that transition yet. So there was a lot of people, a lot of consultants still there doing uh, you know, maintenance work and things like that. Um, non-existent cybersecurity program. Uh, I was that I was that was a big concern of mine. People who know me know I'm big on the uh, cybersecurity. I focus on that. Uh, that can, as we all know, uh, ruin an organization. We've seen it. Um, the uh, CISO was actually outsourced uh, to another company. Uh, it was under compliance. Uh, it was compliance focused, not risk focused. Um, yeah, a lot of issues, policy and procedures, uh, technology, everything. And then we had this culture in the organization itself of effort over results. It was kind of like, you know, you had this goal out there. And if you gave it the old college try, eh, you just missed it. We still gave you your bonus. You still got your um, you got your increases and things like that because you gave it a good effort, you know. 
And and that doesn't work anymore. I mean, we all work hard. We know we work hard. The effort is give is it should be always a given, right? Uh, and it's results is what really counts. And so that's been a shift as well uh, in our organization. Process wise, we had lack of governance. PMO was a name only. It was trying to be regenerated um, to do different things. It was actually moved outside of IT at one point. Um, and we also had no RFP process. Uh, so people were out there just buying software applications. Uh, and you can see from the technology side what happens when you do that. Um, we had 728 applications uh, at that time and $28 million in annual maintenance. And if you look at the, how much, uh, how big we are as an organization, again, that 1.6 and that's way too high. Um, and we were chasing shiny bright objects. We were trying to be Cleveland Clinic and Mayo and and we're not. Again, we're 1.6 billion. We're not 10 billion or 20 billion uh, organization. All right. So, so here's where we are today. I wanted to jump to the today and then we'll talk about how we got there. Uh, today we're at 4%. All right. So in, in the organizational losses over this last two period have been uh, two years have been tremendous. Uh, in 2021, it was $22 million as, as a renowned health organization. And you can see what occurred in 120 million um, last year. Um, this year, completely turned around. We have we have some new leadership. We have a new CEO. It's awesome. And uh, it's really focused on results, as I mentioned. Uh, efforts are a given. And uh, we're, we're looking at a you know 1.7% positive margin for 2023. And that's year to date that'll end in December. And we're tracking. We're actually probably ahead of schedule on that which will end up being probably close to $150 million turnaround in one year, which is tremendous for an organization our size again, right? But it can be done. And you can do it in a way where it's just not cutting. And that's the point I want to make is, is you know, we were known as the department of no, right? Uh, and we had credibility and trust issues. And you've got to fix those along with reducing the spend. Going from 7% to 4%, I can walk into any organization and do that very quickly, right? You can just cut, 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 and get there. But how do you do the people culture in the next section where, you know, we, we're in top five employee engagement, right? From bottom five. How do you do that when you're cutting, right? Solid customer service. We understand the mission now, and people understand where they belong in the organization and, and work towards that. We've achieved trust and credibility because we do what we say. And we engage the operation side uh, instead of um, telling them what we're going to deliver. We're collaborative. Um, we don't have, I, I've got a couple of consultants here now. That's it. Um, we're not using them. We reduced the number of FTEs, as you can see, by quite a bit uh, as well. Um, some of that's through, through attrition, um, but we'll get to kind of the process in a minute. We do have a new CISO. He's actually the CTO now, CISO, CTO which I think you're going to see in the industry that there's a really tight coupling of what's going on in the CISO's world that's in the CTO world. And um, uh, in large organizations, I think you need to, they need to be separate. But in smaller organizations, mid-sized organizations, I think you can, they, you can have a CISO. They're very technology-oriented anyway, uh, take over the CTO role. Uh, I'm starting to see that across the country. And, you know, again, saving money and, and uh, centralizing that. And then uh, effort is a given, as I said, results are what's rewarded now. Getting, you know, getting to 4% uh, was my goal. Um, if I got to 5%, yeah, okay, great. Um, that's all right, but you're not rewarded, right? 
uh, the process. We have solid governance now. We have functioning PMO. We have an RFP process. A lot of, you know, I'm not a huge fan of RFPs, but they do have their place, especially in big projects. You don't just go, you know, you get a $5 million project. You just don't go out there and pick a vendor. Uh, there's a process you need to go through and you'll, and by going through that process, you learn uh, and, and you'll have a better outcome. Look at technology. We're down to 620 applications now. Uh, $4 million savings just in that area, right? So when you when we talk about cutting, it's not just about people, right? There's ways to uh, get to that 4% without just um, Im without impacting uh, people as well. And that's going to be important to see. Okay, so the process actually starts as a new CIO, a new IT leader going in. It's a, you actually start to stick to the knitting process uh, really at the beginning, right at the interview process. This is where, you know, they're interviewing you, but you interview them, right? You're assessing the leadership team. You're probably going to have group interviews. There are a lot of them are remote now. So you can assess, you know, the room. How are they kind of working with each other in the room as they're asking you questions? Uh, individually, you can talk to them about relationships in the organization, get a feel for the culture there. Uh, you can also assess your team because hopefully in the process, you get to meet your team. Uh, and you can start assessing them in the in the uh, interview process. Always try to find out what projects are on fire because you want to know what kind of line you have outside your door or your virtual door or whatever it is uh, when you walk in, right? And then what is the credibility? What is IT credibility? Ask that question over and over with the customers. Um, that you, know, you can find out a lot about the culture of the IT organization when you're talking to, asking questions of senior leadership of how they feel about IT's credibility, okay? And that could be a big problem. So in the, and so now you've got the job, right? So you're in the 60 days, what do you do? So you're going to build your relationships on your seat and leadership team, right? That That's really important. Your CFO, your human resource officer, legal, um, are key relationships. HR, um, so you've got the HR, you've got the finance, you've got legal, supply chain, uh, very important. Of course, the clinical side, yes, absolutely. That's a given. But these folks are going to help you change the organization once you identify what some of the issues are that you may already know about from the interview. Um, you're going to go on a listening tour. That's really important. Uh, get down to the VP level, maybe even director level in some areas. And you'll start hearing themes, you know, IT credibility, projects on fire, culture, you know, all the things that we're talking about. Um governance. Uh, and you can start building these themes and you can create that. Uh, that's what STTK is, stick to the knitting plan. That's your plan. A lot of people call it top five priorities for my first year. I call it stick to the knitting because we're not going to chase shiny bright objects here, depending on what you find. Um, if you find what I found, you have no time for shiny bright objects. You've got to fix. Okay. So you validate that with your senior leadership group. Here's what I found. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how long it's going to take. Get the thumbs up from them. And then you've got to build your leadership team. That should be part of this. You know, um, is it is it good? Are you ready? That would be awesome if you are. Chances are not all of them are up to par. Because if you have issues with culture and things like that, that's usually a leadership issue, not a staff issue, right? Staff are willing to be led. Uh, but if they're led in the wrong direction, uh, that's a leadership problem. Okay, so you you've got to build, assess your leadership, make your changes right away because you're going to need you can't do this alone. You're going to need that team below you uh, to help you through this and to, 
you know, drink the Kool-Aid and understand where we need to go. Create that six-month plan, right? How are you going to get started? What What are some of the goals here? And then commit to it and execute it and don't, don't stray from it, right? Communication, transparency, you're going to hear that all throughout this. Super important. You can't do this if you leave, if you don't, if you leave communication out, transparency out, you know, when there's a void of communication, people make up their own stories. That's how rumor mills start. And you've got to squash that right away. So you be open and honest. You're dealing with adults here, right? Treat them like adults. You know, they have good things in their lives happening and they have bad things in their lives happening. So if there's something that you know they're not going to like, don't sugarcoat it. Tell them. And, you know, it, it may not, uh, you know, they may not like it, but they'll certainly respect it and appreciate it that you're being honest with them, right? My philosophy has always been 80% fast is better than 100% slow. And that is super important because to get to that 100% before you make a decision takes too long, right? That last 20%. So you're if you're 80% ready on something, go. If, if something happens in the 20%, that, would it, that tripped you up, well, you fix it, right? And you move on. Uh, but what I found is 80% is pretty good. And you'll, you'll most likely make the right decision based on 80%. Okay? And again, this is not just about cuts. Cuts are too easy. Uh, you know, cutting is easy. Uh, anybody can do that. This is not just about cuts. All right. Next slide. So on the on the people culture side, as I said, it's not just about cutting, right? Start with initiatives that least impact people, right? So you go to stuff that you can call low-hanging fruit, whatever you want to call it, but things that don't impact your staff or other people in the organization, uh, that those are win-wins, right? So APRAT, we call application rationalization. You probably know known by APRAT, contract um, review as part of that. It's very important. You saw 728 applications down to 620. You know, getting rid of those those uh, applications, things like that. Getting a team together to work through all that stuff. Uh, you know, you're not you're not cutting people, right? And we saved four million dollars so far, and we're doing our done, right? Strong governance to stop the bleeding. You've got to get that in place right away because otherwise, that 728 is going to be 750, 775, right? So you got to stop that bleeding. Use attrition where you can, right? So really look at that, you know, with 225 FTEs, if somebody quits, do you really need to start making those changes, right? Uh, do you really need to fill that position? All right. That's an easy one, right? Because you're not affecting uh, an individual. Uh, when you do get to the point where you've got to reorganize, start with span of control. So look at your leaderships. Uh, look at how many people report to leaders, you know, all the way down to the supervisor level. We were at one to five on average. Um, we're at one to eight now, right? If you have a leader that only has two people under them, can you combine that with a, some other group? Yes, and you're eliminating a leader. Hopefully, maybe that's an open position. That would be awesome because you're just eliminating that. But in some cases, you're eliminating a leader. Now, the thing is, when you're eliminating leaders and not staff, it's actually a morale booster. You know, I've had uh, staff come to me and say, geez, finally, you're, you know, people are eliminating your own and not taking it out on the workers. You know, it's that kind of attitude. And yeah, that's true. And it's also a higher salary, right? So you're, you're, you know, it's less people that you have to eliminate along the way. And, and the staff is right. They're the ones doing the work. They're the ones doing, we need them, you know, so focus on leadership, 
that, that's a different way of, of eliminating. It also eliminates layers, gets you to the yes, no decision quicker. You can get down to the organization and up through the organization. Messages, communication can happen quicker. And that's key. You want to get to yes and no quickly. Um, management focus layoffs first, as I mentioned. There's something called rebadging that we started. Uh, really look at non-core competencies, right? Uh, running data centers, not core competency. Get rid of it. You look at areas where there's other companies that can do it faster, better, cheaper, right? Desktop support. Are there companies out there that can do that better, faster, cheaper? Of course there are. Come on. And so, yes, you can do managed service or people call it outsourcing. But you can also do something called rebadging where you can take your teams, especially teams that have customer facing. They're not remote. Uh, people like seeing them every day. You can rebadge them to another company for to a for-profit company. And we did that in certain areas. I've got about, I think, 45 people now in a rebadge mode with a uh, for-profit company called R4 Solutions. We save between 15 and 25% on, on the staff because uh, they have an offshore um, organization that can support 24-7. Um, they have metrics and productivity that we don't have, so they can manage people in a different way uh, than we can. Uh, and, and really, and actually get more out of them than uh, when they actually work uh, for us. Uh, so, um, so it's not 100% savings, but there's ways of doing that uh, that get you to that 4% where, again, this person has a job, right? You didn't eliminate this person, okay? Uh, RFI, R, you know, RAF, a RIF, you know, reduction force is last resort. Happens, we had to do it, um, but it's always the last resort. Again, um, you've got to uh, communicate that and be uh, very transparent in how you're doing that. Okay. Uh, teach the team finance, right? Um, we do that every, uh, we have a monthly all hands I instituted a couple of years ago. This is where you can communicate, be transparent, but teach them finance. You know, we're losing $22 million, we lost 120 million. Show them and show them the goal this year of getting to that 1.7%. When you close the month, present the month, teach them EBITDA, right? That's your cash flow. That's how much capital you're going to be able to spend next year. If that's negative. You're burning your books. Right? If it's positive, that's a good thing, right? That's the money you're going to, we're going to be able to invest in the organization in the future. And then when you get to, because they understand that finance and try to relate it to even like home finance, um, then they understand that when the cuts are made, how they impact the finance. So it's not just, oh, there's leadership going, saving money again, cutting positions, doing that. They can see how it's getting us from the 7 to the 4%, right? Because we track that as we go. I show them that every month, right? Be honest, transparent, over-communicate, 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 right? And they'll appreciate that. On the team side, engagement, instill, you've got to really look at the teamwork of the organization. And is it a team or not? You know, do they network together? Okay. Do they have a sense of security, which means in meetings, can they say what's on their mind in a professional way? But, um, or do they feel like, you know, somebody's going to take them to the woodshed if they say something wrong, you know, after the meeting? Okay, so you got to create that sense of security. And that's why you're, it's not only me with my team, they've got to do it with their team. So you got to get that down to the organization. The last one is really important sense of belonging. All the way down the staff level, they need to know the work that they do, how that connects to the rest of the organization, whether that's the goals of IT or the goals of, of renowned health. The connecting those dots are really important. So when they're doing the work um, on a particular project, they, and, and the results of that work, you need to feed back to them. 
uh, and the ROI associated with that work. You were part of us getting this savings. You were part of us getting this quality score. And this is how that occurred. Uh, that's huge. And we we celebrate those successes in our monthly meetings. We talk about those. Create a culture of kindness. I always tell, uh, I told my kids growing up, be kind. It gets you a long way. Be nice. Um, and it, it's the same uh, in healthcare. And so we actually have a culture crew across the Renown Health. And it's, and it's really helping us create that culture of kindness, not only in IT, but across. Uh, move people up, move people out, add new people in. That's the way when you do your own team, teams underneath, it's always good to have that mix. You know, you always got some stars, move them up. You always got some non-stars, move them out, then do it quickly. And, and adding new people, new ideas in, you know, diversity is just huge uh, for us. And that's an important part of creating your management team. Um, we also implemented a professional employment organization with a with another HR company. Uh, so we can hire in all 50 states now. So that allows us to use less contractors. Um, we can hire talent in all 50 states. Um, they're part of, you know, they're, they're badged in as renowned health and uh, they attend uh, all hands and, um, and uh, it's, it's worked out, you know, quite well for us. Governance, uh, we have a new intake process for the PMO. That was part early on to stop that bleeding. We have what's called an SBAR requirement, situation, background, analysis, recommendation, standard format used in industry, ROI. Everything has an ROI, whether it's financial, qualitative. We focus, you can tell with a turnaround, though, we focus on financial. It better have a pretty strong financial uh, um, ROI. Otherwise, it's not going to get approved. You're not just buying shiny, bright objects. Our President's Council, we meet every single Wednesday, three and a half hours, lots of um, full agendas. That's our governance. Uh, these SBARs come to President's Council and there, there are no guests. The senior leaders present those. So if it's an IT related only, I present. If it's an IT with the operations side, we would both present, uh, which forces senior leaders to really understand in a $1.6 billion organization, well, we should get in the weeds a little bit. We should understand what's going on in our organization. So we need, rather than having our VP and director come forward and present uh, the data and we just step back, we have to understand it. We have to understand the project and really get into it, really support it. So I think that's been a, a really, a really valid change for us. And that's something new. Um, I've never, I've never seen that in an organization. I, and I, and I like it. Uh, technology. We create an app rack program with supply chain. You can see the IT operations, finance, uh, legal supply chain. We have a, a team that meets on a regular basis, not just an IT initiative. You've got to find out who owns these 728 applications, right? Um, to reduce it, you got to get to them to see whether they are still using it. We actually found um, 50 applications running on the network that nobody was signing into. Um, that's low hanging fruit right there. Um, that was a lot of money saved. And that's it, also a vector of security risk, as you can see, because those applications are probably running on the network for five years, haven't been updated up, up, you know, it's a, it's a way in, uh, for the bad actors. So, um, uh, I'm sure in your networks out there, there's that, that stuff going on. So AppRat is key. And again, it doesn't affect people per se, and you can get tremendous savings. Um, and if you can stop the bleeding governance, layer this on top, now you can start reducing. 
uh, your application set down to, and you look for duplicates. I mean, we're, we're going through a process right now. We've got like four or five patient education um, uh, software. Well, maybe one or two um, credentialing software. I think we've got four of those, maybe one or two. Um, so those are the types of discussions you need to have with operations going forward. Next up. So, so stick to the knitting, IT leaders. This is something that's really important. Identi when you go into an organization, identify what made that organization successful to begin with. That's what stick to the knitting is all about. How did it get to where it got? You know, it's success uh, at some point. Yeah, it may be a downturn right now. Like I said, we're lo we were losing money, but it's successful. Why? How? Why? Um, find out what that is. And, and what I call the end of the beginning, that was a phase zero that we talked about. And that's really that first 60 days, right? And end of the beginning is is a uh, Winston Churchill saying, by the way, it was a mm. World War II after they won the Battle of Britain. And he said, this is not the, the beginning, the beginning and the end. It's the end of the beginning. And that's really the end of your beginning of the, uh, the journey, right? So you can get started. So that's that phase zero um, that we talked about earlier. IT team needs to understand uh, no margin omission. That's the finance side of it, right? Yes, the clinical quality. I mean, all that's extremely important, but you've got to focus on the finance. We're running a business too. And that's got to, we got to instill that in our teams. Transparency and communication, you've got to have that as a stick to the knitting uh, leader, right? Use metrics and standards for decision making. Really important. Your employee engagement, you know, if it's not good, why? Fix it. Customer service, not good. Why? Fix it. Um, you're 7%. Why? Fix it. You know, metrics driven, those are easy to present, easy to talk about um, as you're making the changes. Use innovations at work. This is really important. Again, go back to $1.6 billion organization. We shouldn't be piloting AI. Okay. We actually do use AI in, in radiology in some areas. We've been using it for years. So it does have application, but some of these newer areas, let Epic and Microsoft work together. Yeah. Don't go to Microsoft and do AI. Let Epic. Do it. And then when Epic says, oh, this is real, yes, take it. Okay. When um, Cleveland Clinic, um, you know, Mayo, they, they want to do stuff. Yes. Stay connected to them. Understand what the innovation is. Track it. Um, network with them. And then find out the things that work. You know, some of the things in virtual nursing are starting to come out. And we're probably going to do some piloting in that area. Right. But uh, in, in telesitting. But there's a bunch of companies already doing those pilots. Right. And we're taking what they've done already and the, and the lessons learned, right? So you're not piling a bunch of money into things that, that may not work. Stop doing that, all right? That's not stick to the knitting. That's not going to get you, okay? And, and again, I understand CIOs want to do this and put that on their resume, right? Uh, I'm, I was the first to move to the cloud. I was the first to do AI. I get all that. No, stop doing that because the next bullet is what happens when you do that. You leave a mess, right? And then you got people like me, seasoned CIOs, and I know a lot of them across the country who have to come in and clean up your messes. And you can see, you know, your replacement you should always have in your mind your replacement should build off your successes, not clean up your messes, right? And you can imagine if I came in and I was building off of successes from previous leadership instead of cleaning up messes, where we would be as an IT organization today, two years later, right? And and uh, uh, and in all the organizations that are out there, and and I think that's it. that's why healthcare IT is behind. Uh, yeah, we may not put as much money into IT as uh, investments as other 
um, industries do. But we're leaving messes all over the place that need to get cleaned up and hold us back from getting to where we need to be. Um, and, and you can imagine if you build off success after success, you get two or three CIOs in a row. Now we're lifting, you know, all boats, you know, high tide raises all boats, you know, it's that kind of thing. We can start to move the needle on this instead of always, you know, I mean, application rationalization, 4% metric. That's when you walk out the door, all that stuff should be in place. Strong governance, all those things that stick to the knitting should already be in place. You shouldn't leave because you were focused on AI and some of these other things uh, that you shouldn't have been because you're in a $1.5 billion organization. And I, I know some of you are out there probably shaking your head. What does this guy know? But I've been around and um, I've seen it. And I've talked to other seasoned CIOs. I've been at conferences and I've asked them this question. And they're like, you know, Chuck, we're tired of doing it. We're tired of cleaning up. I've talked to vendors and they say, Chuck, it's a mess out there. There's a lot of leaders out there that are in the wrong jobs, right? So again, this is to help, not to not to call you out or or, or try to get you in trouble and change your your thought process when you go into an organization or if you're in one now, change it and start using metrics. Okay, this will get you the next job, not the AI, not moving the first to move to the cloud, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's all great. Yeah, innovation. You got to have. You got to understand it. You got to be able to you know, talk about it, articulate it. But that's not going to get to the job. Imagine going in and doing a telling this story that I'm, I just told you um, in your next job, meeting with the CFO, meeting with the CEO, meeting with legal, meeting with and all the collaboration you created in the program that you're going to put in place when you get in. And again, it might not be a complete mess. It might only be a few things you need to do, but you're going to assess that for the organization. You're only going to need to think, do the things that need to be fixed as part of stick to the name. That's going to resonate with these people. You're going to get the job. I guarantee you're going to get the job over somebody who has a bunch of AI stuff on their resume, right? And so that's kind of where I want to want to leave this um, is we get, we need to change the way we think here. So in our organization, these conversations I have with other senior leaders because I'm testing this, and we did what we said we were going to do, and we did it, and we're still doing it, and I test that. I asked senior leaders, are we doing what we said we're going to? Yes. We now have, you now have credibility and trust in your organization, right? Because you did that. Now, when you actually need to do something, you need a big project, you need, you need to do some innovation because you, you've looked at it and you, and you actually want to do a pilot on something because it does have benefits and that other organizations have and you're taking from that. Um, people are going to listen to you, right? They're not going to be like, oh, there goes IT again. Shiny bright objects, you know, how much money are we going to lose on this one, right? No, and I've asked that. I said, you know, in 2024, we've got a lot of projects. We're turning the organization around. We're probably going to have a lot of projects that we need to catch up on because, you know, we're in more of a um, fiscal conservative mode. And they're like, Chuck, bring it forward. You know, you, you've done what you said you've done. We trust you. Um, if you need something, we know you need it, right? That's where you want to get to be as an IT leader and as a CIO. So our ass will be granted. Again, I'm not going to be frivolous about it. I'm going to stick to the knitting uh, in my approach. Um, but, you know, we will um, we will uh, um, get there. And that's really the journey that I want you to think about, whether you're starting out as a new CIO. I really want to start mentoring younger IT leaders on this because I think it's easy as a, as a young IT leader to get caught up with vendors, with shiny bright objects and consultants and things like that. 
where you could implementing a program like this is metrics driven. Um, you, you know, you don't have to go back to school to learn it. Um, it's, it's very basic and it, it will get you where you need to go uh, in your career. Um, so I'm hoping that resonates with people and I hope I get a lot of feedback on this because I think we need to really change um, the way that we're thinking here as IT leaders, um, especially post COVID now, and especially with all this technology coming at us now, and it's going to continue. And there's going to be so many mistakes made out there. Let the Cleveland clinics and, um, and Mayo's make those mistakes. They have the money to cover them, right? They may, they may be laughing at me right now, but that's okay. They have the money to cover them. $1.6 billion organization. You don't. You really don't, right? You can sink an organization now. These are very expensive technologies. So, um, so I'm gonna. I think I end it there. May the force be with you, all you Star Wars fans, and um, and uh, I'm gonna turn it back to to Anthony. I think that's my story. Excellent! Wow, incredible, incredible stuff, Chuck. You already have a nice comment uh, that was sent in. This was a, a fantastic presentation. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. And I think every single person um, is is going to feel that way. And I think it's definitely going to resonate with people. Um, okay, let's let's get to some audience questions. And please keep them coming. Um, do you have an example of a few metrics you recommend looking into in the first 60 to 90 days to better understand current IT performance? Yeah, so first is that 7%, uh, you know, the total OPEX. So again, that's an easy mathematical equation, right? What's your budget? How much are you spending? Uh, divide that by the total OPEX of the organization and you get your percentage, right? Start there. If that's higher than 4%, there's there's an initiative. It's that there's a reason for that. And that's going to drive a lot of your analysis, right? You're going to look at number of FTEs you have. Where, where's the spend? What's causing that? 4.5 or 5% or 6% spend. What is causing that? Uh, is it maintenance? And you've got all that data, right? With finance, finance is going to be your best buddies uh, during that process. And they're going to love to work with you on that. And your CFO is going to love to work with you on that, right? And, and uh, you know, I've had CFOs tell me, you're the first CIO I've ever worked with that understands finance. Um, and that's really important for you to get that. So, you know, start there. That's going to drive, because that's going to drive, oh, I got 28 million in software maintenance. Wow, that seems kind of high. Uh, let's. How many applications do I have? Oh, that's too high. Um, app rep program, right? Okay, um, um, too high on app rep. How do I stop the bleeding? Governance, okay? So a lot of things will fall out of that particular metric. Okay, that's cost. Now you look at your culture, right? Really look at your team, right? Do they network? Can they say in meetings, you know, what's on their mind, right? Um, do they understand their job and how it connects to the bigger organization? You can get at that data as well. There's engagement scores out there, hopefully, in your organization. You're going to look at past engagement data, right, and see where you fall in the organization. Are you in the top five or the bottom five? If you're in the bottom five, that needs to be part of your stick to the knitting program. If you're in the top five, woof, that's awesome. You can focus on something else. Mm. Um on that, right? There might be pockets that you need to focus, but it's not all encompassing. Then, you know, as you're as you're um, doing your listening tour, you're going to pick up on a customer service. That's why I picked up on, geez, you know, IT just, you know, they deliver to us what they think we need. They're the Department of No. 
I heard that more than once. You'll pick up those themes, right? Again, that's data. That's real data you can use that you can feed into your customer service. Look at your core competencies. That's very easily. I mean, are you running your own data centers? Stop, right? There, there's a program all in and of itself, right? Stick to the nitty. Are you, you know, some of these other areas, network management, help desk, desktop support. Other companies can do that better than you can, all right? And in a, in a less expensive way. But again, that's all driven by, uh, if you're already at 4%, right? You may not have to look hard at these areas. They've probably already been looked at. Gets back to my point of, be great to go into an organization that had good governance, 4%, right? High customer service, high employee engagement, already has an app wrap program, right? Imagine that. Now what can you do? Oh my God, you can start looking at innovation, right? And build up. And that gets to my point of rather than cleaning up messages, messages, you can go in and, and, and start to build off of somebody else's successes. Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, I'm still trying to find that organization. I mean, I have it now. Someday I'll hand it to somebody else. I'm not a spring chick- chicken anymore. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, my, my goal is to, to mentor. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome answer, Chuck. Next, next question. I greatly appreciate the mission, purpose, and mindset you shared today. What resources would you recommend for new CISO? I'm sorry, new CIOs? I definitely have a, a, a mentor, right? Uh, for new CIO, you need to have a seasoned CIO as your mentor. And they're they're out there and there's a lot, you know, I, I talked to a lot of seasoned CIOs uh, like me and, and they want to get back. You know, they're at the tail end of their career. They're not looking to build a kingdom uh, or anything, but they, they understand that you've learned a lot, you mm-hmm. know, made a lot of mistakes in our career and we can help keep you from making those mistakes. So, Find a seasoned CIO out there that you can, you know, you're going into a, a big meeting, right? And um, you're doing a presentation. Wouldn't it be great to have a seasoned CIO who's probably done that presentation a hundred times, right? Uh, to bounce that off them. Or you've gone to a meeting that didn't go very well. And so you replay it with your seasoned CIO mentor. And, oh, you find out, wow, I should have done it this way or this way. So, you know, that that to me is the biggest thing. Um, yeah, there's, you know, there's things you can do within programs within Chime and things like that. Um, and networking certainly important. That's how you'll find your CIO, uh, season CIO, but try to find that mentor. Um, uh, and that'll be super helpful for you avoiding the landmines. Excellent. Excellent. Um, next question. You mentioned eliminating layers for yes, no answers to get yes, no answers faster. How did you best do this with operational leaders to show where there are inefficiencies and get the right staff plugged into your governance? Yeah, so we you did that span of, what I call span of control analysis. HR has all the data, right? So they can show they can show across the organization, you know, down to the supervisor level. Typically, the systems have that capability of, on average, how many people report to a, a manager. From supervisor on the way up, and in in your organization, the IT organization, and, you, and there's no there's no hard number whether you know one to six, one to eight, one to ten. It's different for different areas, right? Um, in nursing, it's very high because you've got a lot of nurses reporting to you know a nurse manager and things like that. So it's different, but it, it gives you a start. I mean, if you're at one to five or one to four, that's a problem. 
I mean, a leader should have more people. And then look at your layers uh, in your org chart, right? If you've got the CIO, then you've got VPs, directors, supervisors, and you, you know, from top to bottom, that's a lot of layers to get through to get down to the staff level, right? And again, if a st- uh, staff have great ideas, they probably have better ideas than uh, those are the ones that are generated. They're in the front lines. They see what's going on, right? We want that stuff to come bubble up as quickly as possible. And if you got all these layers in between, it doesn't work so well. So, you know, really look at um, how many people report to. Now, there are positions like a CISO that may not have a lot. Um, your CMIO, certainly, you know, that's your physician leader, may not have a lot, may be the only person in that position. So there are exceptions. But start with that span of control, and that'll tell you a lot. And so going from one to five to one to eight means you just flatten your organization, right? You have you have more staff reporting to less leaders. And so, um, so you know, focus on that. Again, another good metric to, to look at. And again, as I said, it, you know, when you do that, staff's all in on that, right? Because you're leaving them alone. Let's talk a little bit about uh, consultants. Um, incorrect, sounds like incorrect usage of consultants can be quite damaging to both your cost structure, they can be expensive, and yeah. your culture. Yes. Uh, but you mentioned there is a place for consultants. There is a need and there is a place. Oh, yeah. Talk to me yeah. a little bit more about how to use them correctly and how they can be used incorrectly that we want to stay away from. Yeah, so correctly would be, of course, on big projects, right? Uh, you're doing, um, you're implementing Workday. Okay. You're not doing that alone. Uh, I mean, uh, you don't, that's, again, it's not a, a core competency to implement Workday. So you've got to get out and find that expertise. Um, but again, it's a project that has a beginning and an end, right? And and you're going to have knowledge transfer happen as part of that project to your team. Um, and again, what I've seen happen in a lot of organizations, you have those type of projects, and you get these consultants that just hang on for years uh, because you didn't invest in a knowledge transfer and in your team. Uh, so it's like the project's over. It's a year later. Oh, my God, we can't get rid of this person. We still need them. Well, that that's that should have been figured out in the project itself, right? Okay. The other area where you consult is in that core competency thing. You, I call it managed services. Some people call it outsourcing. Um, it is a technically a group of consultants they are outside the company um, doing your desktop or doing your network. Um, but again, it's not a core competency of yours. Um, so it's, you know, those those things you want to offload as well uh, in an organization. But um, but the things that are core competencies in your, and again, when you look at an organization, not just IT, look across your organization, you know, is nutrition, for example, nutrition services, you know, the cooking and the cleaning of the organization and things like that. Um, is that a core competency? Probably not, right? Other companies can do that faster. So Dexes of the world can do that faster, better, cheaper again, right? Again, so it's not just an IT exercise. You should That should be being done across the organization um, in, in this day and age. And again, it helps get the numbers, it helps get the cost down. So you're not in that reduction in force mode, right? Yes, you're affecting people. They're going to different companies. You're rebadging, but again, you're you're not doing that. That you know, calling somebody up or having a meeting with somebody face to face, or however you're going to do it, and saying, you know, as of today, you don't have a job. You know, 
Um, and that, that, that's the thing you want to avoid the most, <laughs> I guess. We've talked about a number of pieces that are not core competencies. You mentioned a few things that are not core competencies. This may seem like a silly question, but what are the core competencies? What do we want to say? This is what we do. And no, we don't want to outsource this. This is who we are. This is what we bring to the table. All right. So a good example of that is on your clinical enterprise, right? Epic. Uh, we use Epic as an example. Everybody, and you could have Cerner, you know, it's your your EHR, but it's so much bigger than an EHR these days. Um, that's a core competency. Uh, I know there's companies out there, Accenture's doing it, a few others, where they're, I think Ohio Health just outsourced their entire IT department, Lockstar, everything to Accenture. Um, I'm not in favor uh, of that. Uh, you know, I think your 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 EHR, uh, your clinical enterprise, you know, the the, the technology in the clinical enterprise is so embedded into how we take care of patients now. Um, so if, if you're not going to outsource your nurses and doctors, uh, <laughs> right, uh, why outsource the technology that they're using? Um, I, I think that's a bad idea. Uh, and you can see, you know, we have nurses and doctors in IT and we have that for a reason, right? You're not going to outsource that to nurses and doctors of another company. And, and I think at some point, you don't want to lose the identity of IT either, right? I mean, the good thing about rebadging is you keep the identity. They still have a renowned badge, right? Um, there's the same people uh, and you can and manage them. If you do too much of the managed services, even in the core company side, you start to lose your identity uh, as a team, uh, as a culture. Um, and it takes on the identity of whatever company is doing that work, right? And that may not be the culture of of renown or of, you know, the organization workforce. So I think it's, you really got to go through your organization, all the functions, uh, this function, core competency, yes or no, this function, core competency, yes or no. And, and it, it'll be clear and can't do it in a vacuum. Good discussion. It's actually a good way to team build. Uh, everybody has opinions on it. Um, that's where diversity comes in, a diversity of opinion. Um, um, so, yeah, important. Great stuff, Chuck. I usually ask for a final piece of advice, but your whole presentation has been one giant piece of advice and brilliant advice. And thanks. I mean, so useful to people. But is there, is there, and maybe we'll touch on the people thing as your final thought. It seems like from a lot of what you said, the people should be the last thing you want to cut. That should be your last thing you want to cut, right? You want to cut the low hanging fruit. You want to find this, that, and the other thing. But you also did say that people do have to be moved out, right? Yeah. It was yeah. one of your one of your things. People move people out well, who aren't going to fit. But well, it's the last thing you want to do. Those are not um, irreconcilable, right? It should be the last thing, but it has to be something. There's always going to be a couple people that will poison the culture, right? Because of their mindset and their approach. So you're fine. I'll make that your final thought. Yeah. So, you know, you have to have that people first uh, mentality. And again, you know, that I know I have people that are gone from my organization that probably don't like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I guarantee it. Right. And uh, but, you know, it wasn't a good fit. And you've got to you've got to take So that's one area of, of people first is you got to move people out that are not aren't good leaders because they're hurting. When you say people first, they're hurting everybody else. Right. You've got one person hurting everybody else. You've got to move that person out. 
And people say, well, how's that people first? Well, you bring in a better leader and now you're taking care of, 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 of the staff and, and in, in a way that is that culture of kindness and the things that you want to do. So it may seem mean uh, sometimes, but it's really not. It's protecting the organization mm. uh, uh, by looking uh, strategically at those positions. You know, we've had some staff people that we had to move because they either weren't in the right job or the job was no longer needed for mm. whatever reason. They were hired, you know, a few years back into a particular job that just doesn't fit anymore. We don't do it anymore. And so, you know, you've got to move those people out. If you can't, you know, if you can find another spot for them, great. But you, so, but you have to do it quickly and move on quickly and move on. Don't, um, don't sit there. You know, well, the way I look at, and I'll give you just one example here that may be helpful. The way I look at, performance right you're having issues with a leader okay and i won't even talk about staff we'll talk about leaders you have an issue with a leader right the thing you have to look at when you sit down with the leader and you're trying to assess what to do is are they ask yourself this question are they salvageable or not Mm. if they're salvageable in your mind you know maybe a behavior issue whatever it might be you focus on that and then you work with that person because that's going to take time time that you don't have right but you believe you can savage that person okay cool if the answer is no make it happen the next day okay of course with hr um by your side but make it happen the next day because you're doing you're not doing you your team that person uh you know by trying to work with them in a way that you just know isn't going to work because you don't want to do the sit down so you drag it out for weeks after weeks and it's not getting better do it that's why i talk a lot about do it quickly and that's humane that's the humane way to do it right do it quickly and move on get a better leader in place protect the organization that way and so um so yeah that's all part of people first it may not seem like it a lot of times um um but you know in, in in business in general not just in healthcare um there there's ways to do it in a in a kinder, gentler fashion, I guess, is the best way to say it. Wow. Amazing, Chuck. Absolutely. Absolutely fantastic. Really incredible presentation. Uh, Regarding continuing education, uh, folks can use the final slide in this deck. You'll get an email when the on-demand recording of this is ready for viewing. If you want to sponsor an event with us, you can reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team. You can go to our website to review and register for upcoming panels. With that, I want to thank my good friend, our speaker, who's definitely giving a lot of himself in this presentation, Chuck Podesta, trying to help the next generation. I want to thank you for attending. But with that, everybody have a wonderful day. Thanks so much, Chuck. Thank you.